the Blaze Radio Network. On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, hello, friends. It's a uh, Tuesday that feels like a Monday, doesn't it? That's kind of a bonus, though. Think about it. Think about it. Put, Put your head on and think about that for a minute. A Tuesday that feels like a Monday. That means tomorrow's Wednesday. It's the middle of the week already. You, you did that, and and you didn't even really try hard, and you got it to almost the middle of the week. Okay, confusing, right? Yes. Hello. Happy to be here. Hope you had a, a good weekend. I know some of us here at the Blaze Radio Network had a, had a testy weekend. Some had a testy end of the weekend. So say some prayers for the crew here. I know a couple of them might have had some scratches and dents, but uh, with uh, God willing, we'll all put it all back together again and take on the world. So uh, I'm, I'm being vague intentionally, but just keep the crew in mind. Keep the, the midday rage crew in mind here. I'm good. I, I actually went by the Delaware Veterans Cemetery yesterday and uh, had a moment of silence myself at 3 o'clock. With and it's on it's on um, on the Twitter, and I think it's up there for oh, what another three hours. So if you want to see it, you can. It's pretty much just a panorama of the cemetery, which, in a tiny state like Delaware, you didn't realize how many people served this nation and have passed away. And there's an entire section of Medal of Honor winners that uh, we stopped and paid tribute to yesterday. But it was, it was a, a moment of reflection in a weekend of relaxation, and I'm happy to say thank you to those people. There, I even posted one picture of a, a headstone that had a teeny tiny flag folded. You know how they do the presentation flag at the funerals? Teeny tiny American flag folded perfectly and placed on the, on the stone, on the marker. And I stopped by and said, this, this is somebody I have no idea who they are. But they're a friend and I owe them a debt of gratitude, which I do, which all of us do. And now we all get back to work today on this Tuesday that feels like a Monday. And we have found a whole lot going on, a whole lot going on. The president got back and he's in D.C. 
And there are a bunch of folks doing whatever they can to tear him down. There are a bunch of folks doing what they can to use their, and I'm using air quotes here, sources to throw some shade on the president. Sources. You know what? I will, I will dig it up and play it for you in a little bit. But CNN is actually reporting that the president is withdrawing. He's personally withdrawing. What are we saying, CNN? You want to talk about spreading rumors? Really, it's, it's silly. But we, we will get into that. There is going to be a press conference today after 2 o'clock, which will probably be focused a lot on the, the Russia situation. Can we, can we all talk about the word back channel? Was that the word of the week this weekend? Back channel. Back channel, everybody. I'd like to start a, uh, a back channel show where sources call in and give us their take on things. Back channel. Just crazy time. Uh, I do have a vital question of the day coming up. We will get to that. Uh, I have a couple other issues I want to bring up. One of which being uh, Angela Merkel. Angela Merkel and and the, the insanity around an Angela Merkel comment. And I want to make sure you guys are in touch. So as always, anytime during this show... Uh, reach out and connect. The number is 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. We will um, we'll share with you the, the question of the day, the vital question of the day. I can't tell you how, how, funny, uh, how funny the art world is today. Usually I get, I get ticked off. Um, at some of the silliness. You know, I, I think that the fearless girl on Wall Street, the story about the fearless girl, the girl standing with her hands on her hips, defiantly staring down the bull on Wall Street, much has been made about that. I agree with the, the sculptor who gave us the, the charging bull on Wall Street. I think that putting, putting the little girl there, the fearless girl, as she's been called, is changing the meaning of his statue, of his artwork. And uh, somebody had a little fun with it over the weekend. I don't know if you saw the, the little statue that was added to the little girl. Somebody took a statue of a pug, a tiny pug dog, and that dog is lifting its leg right by the left leg of the of the fearless girl and of course all these snowflakes sing you're you're against feminism you're against feminism well the pissing pug as it's been called has since been removed apparently uh but people are still talking about it. there's plenty of pictures of the pug little statue there um the artist alex gardega said it's not anti-feminism, but anti-corporation. At least that's according to the reports from the New York Post. People are not happy. And now they're Photoshopping others into it. There's some great stuff on the Internet. I will tweet out a link to this because a lot of folks are saying, oh, this is misogyny, of course. 
we're finally going to get a girl on Wall Street, and the misogynists are uh, are going to put a little dog on there. No, not not what's going on here, people. That's not what's happening. You have to understand. And it's funny how people got upset when folks like me got upset about the fearless girl. Because I do think it changed the meaning of the original artwork. And now that someone changes the meaning of the fearless girl, they're all upset. So there it is. It all evens out, right? It all evens out. Um, A couple things going on today before we get into some other serious heavy content. Uh, Normally, since it feels like a Monday, normally we would have Dr. Wendy on a Monday and she'll be here today. She will join us today. So we'll we'll talk some of the politics. We'll talk some of the news of the day. Maybe we'll talk about sources and the use of sources. Wendy also has a column in uh, Psychology Today, the new Psychology Today. And I think maybe we'll get into that because it's off politics and an interesting topic on uh, online dating. Um, my buddy over at the Washington Examiner, Pete Kasparowitz, is slated to talk to us in just a few minutes. And we're going to talk about back channel because it is the word of the day, back channel. And a bill, (laughs) this is the one I think is classic. Uh, Pete made note of a a bill that, a a bill that wants to have um, ethics training for House lawmakers. But it's not so much the fact that they want to have ethics training for the House lawmakers. It's when they want to have ethics training for these lawmakers that's really important. So we'll get into that with Pete Kasparowitz. But seriously, just just around the corner. As a matter of fact, I might break a little earlier than normal so we can get to Pete. But this one is a good one for me. I I think it ought to be hourly, but, you know, the lawmakers have a different approach to things. Uh, but essentially, in terms of what's going to happen this week, hmm, uh, the word of the week is probably going to be Russia. The word of the second most used word of the week will back channel. And the third most word of the week, most used word of the week will probably be shake up because we're hearing there's going to be a shakeup in the White House. Now, we've been hearing there's going to be a shakeup in the White House for easily over a month. Wasn't it about a month, a month, month and a half ago, we heard that the president took Stephen Bannon and Jared Kushner aside and said, work it out or I'll fix it. You fix it or I'll fix it. Yeah, but apparently... This time it's real. This time it's it's the truth. I know. This is just frustrating, right? It's very frustrating. But it is it is the now the the boss is back in DC. We have stuff to do. Now the boss is back in DC, we're going to talk about what bothers him. Uh also on the health end of things. Tomorrow is Wellness Wednesday with Dr. Jorge But I want to talk about all you people who use those vape things, those e-cigarettes. Yeah, there's a new report out on those. And uh, you're probably not going to be real happy about it. 
That's all, that's all I'm going to tell you. You're not going to be real happy about it. Uh, Chicago, the weekend stats are in, too. The weekend stats are in. And uh, let's just say, Chicago, you're not trying hard enough. Chicago, you're falling down. Last year, last year was a lot bloodier over Memorial Day weekend. Chicago, oh, wait a minute, this is good news. I'm just kidding. It's still horrible how many people got shot and and killed in Chicago. There are currently 52 homicides in the month of May alone. 304 people shot, total homicides 52 Last May, I think it was somewhere in the 70s. So that's a good direction, but still more than one a day in Chicago, like 1.5 a day, not good. But Chicago, I guess you're going in the right direction, so we should give you some credit, shouldn't we? Okay, I'm going to step, as I said, I'm going to step aside just a little bit early. When we get back, I want to talk to Pete Kasparowitz of the Washington Examiner. We're going to talk about, oh, back channel stuff. And we're going to talk about ethics training for members of the House. You know, something something I think uh, we could get bipartisan support on. I don't know if we'll get bipartisan compliance, but we should get support on it, right? Sure. That and a whole lot more when Pure Opelka returns. On the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. It's been called the fastest three hours in radio. It's also been called a lot of other things I can't repeat. But uh, here it is, Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you for joining the show. Thank you for following me. Thank you for downloading the segments uh, from SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, etc. And thank you to Pete Kasparowitz from the Washington Examiner for joining us on this Tuesday that feels like a Monday. Welcome back, my friend. Hey, welcome back to you. You have a good day. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, I, I got a little, you know, I played a little too much golf this weekend, I have to admit. Oh, that's never, that's never possible. No. Well, thank you for understanding. Yes, you're, you're exactly <laughs> correct. I, I'm a little disturbed, Pete, because I had hoped that you and I could, could actually discuss horse racing as we are getting closer to the Belmont Stakes. But now that the Derby winner and the Preakness winner aren't running, it seems like uh, who cares about this next one, right? I tell you this every year that I don't even care. What, what's the horse's name? Like junk drawer? Who cares? All these funny names. Like we just look at, I'm like a data guy. I crunch the numbers. I don't care who the jockey is. I don't care. I just want to see how well that horse does. You know? Well, I, but I'd like I them all to running. run. I, I'd like the guys that won the Preakness and the, and the, uh, the Derby to run so we can see, you know, like bragging rights. Who's the really the best, but. Yeah, they, sure, sure. It'd be more interesting that way. Yeah. Well, I do. I I was miserable in my performance, and I tried to apply the Kasparowitz theory, and actually put in number crunching, and do it statistically. But 
I, I always go through the program, and I, if I see a name that interests me, I have to throw a couple bucks on you it. Get, you get hooked. <laughs> I do. So t- two races before the Derby, there was a horse named Limousine Liberal running. And oh, that's fun, though, yeah. I threw I threw five bucks on him, and I won 75 bucks back. So. Well, that's good. Maybe your theory might be right. But, you know, like, to me, those names mean nothing. And they're like, they're like um, it reminds me of the cable news show names. You know, it's like, it's always like all in or like the something report. They're all like interchangeable. It doesn't, you can't be fooled by that stuff. But you're not going to sit here and make fun of the situation room, are you? Exactly. Yes, that's exactly what I'm going to That's probably the worst one. All right, well, now let's let's face it. If this show were on cable TV, pure Opelka would be getting mocked regularly. I don't know if you'd be allowed to. Well, no, that's a that's a good name. At least it tells you who's in it, right? I yeah, mean, the okay. Hannity Report, whatever. I, these things are all. You know what I mean? But you can't be fooled by the name. Is my point. You gotta. You gotta. In your case, you gotta listen to the fastest three hours in radio, which I think I'm slowing down as we speak. Um, or, and you got and with the horses, you got to crunch the data. You got to look at you know how fast does this thing run. The name doesn't matter. And then I got to look at the track conditions, which always I never look at the track conditions. Welcome to horse talk, folks. No, <laughs> uh, I promise, Pete. We we talk about uh, his his style. latest couple of uh, columns. And you posted a story late, late, late last week that unfortunately I didn't get to till today. But I thought we should talk about this about the. Um, the annual requirement for ethics training for lawmakers, uh, you mean we don't have that? Well, the House doesn't have it. The House staffers have it. The Senate has sort of like an ongoing training program. But the bill apparently that was passed, um, I didn't, I, I, it's amazing what I can forget. Maybe I didn't know it, but, but you can come back and forget you knew it. But according to um, David Cicilline, the guy who has the bill out with another Republican, um, he says the bill that passed a few years back only – only requires staff to do it. And so the House guys get free of it. And the, and the obvious question is, only annual? These guys should be in monthly sessions, I think, some of them. They, need to, yeah. they should have monthly visitations with, with ethics people, I think, the way we go sometimes. Yeah, as a, as a kid who grew up as a Catholic, you know, we used to have to go to confession to kind of clean the yeah. slate every month, <laughs> which was kind of an ethics requirement in, in as as a Catholic. And I could see... Some sort of uh, confessional, ethics confessionals in Congress where we would have that. So maybe maybe we can force this through. You know, in working in the music business, Pete, every year you had to sign a, uh, a, a paper with the big radio company to prove that you weren't taking payola. So um, I would think ethics would be a good thing, too. And there's, they, a, there's a real there, and there's a real pressure with. The more you have to do it, I mean, like I like you go to you maybe have to go to confession every week, right? Maybe even several times a week. <laughs> but but the act of going, like if you know you're going, right, that makes you sort of be good, right? It's like if you had to see, like like if you're in a weight loss competition with your wife or something, and you know you got to step on the scale the next morning, you may not eat, you may not eat, you know, all that pound cake or whatever it is, all that all that junk you're eating, right? That's kind of the yeah. idea, right? Like knowing that it's an occasional. Yeah. Sort of it's a deterrent. Actually, you're saying it might actually help. Yeah, it might help keep you honest. So I, so we replace the pledge of allegiance with the ethics pledge every day yeah. <laughs> in the House and Senate. I don't know if there's any saving this anymore. I, you know, like it, it, this all violates my rule, which is, and this is not to, this is not to sort of crap on everybody, but, but my the, the ultimate rule I have in life is, if you have good people, you don't need a system, and if you have bad people. 
no system will save them. You know, no system will make them any good, right? So I don't know, what, what would you put on the value of like an annual ethics course in the House? I'm not sure, not sure well, how much, a, I'm not sure how important that would be. It's worth the paper it's written on, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, they'll find Pete, uh, I've, got a, I've got a hard wall here. If you can't come back around the corner and talk, uh, and talk about the, uh, the Jared Kushner back channel, um, I understand. Have you got a couple more minutes? Let's, yeah, we can do it. Let's do it. Okay, Pete Desperowitz of the Washington Examiner. We talk back channel next here on the back channel section of Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We are uh, knee-deep in the Washington hoopla with my buddy Pete Kasparowitz from the Washington Examiner. Uh, full disclosure, Pete is a yeah. Blaze alum. There are a couple Blaze alums at the Examiner, and I do stay in touch with people I used to work with. I know it's an unusual concept, but there are actually people in this world who leave a company and then stay in contact with those people. This is something many of our snowflake friends don't understand. It's called real friendship. It's called uh, camaraderie. And Pete's one of those people that, despite his hatred for me, has agreed no. to stay in touch with me. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, you're one of the. What are you? Are, are you that desperate for someone to call you a friend on the air? Phone? Yes. you're my friend, Michael Belka. Pre- and when we much. had spaghetti that night. That was a lot of fun, wasn't that? When we ate it, where was that? Bajianos, I think. Yeah, we ate a some... ton of spaghetti, and it was terrible for you. Yeah, and and you know what's weird? Um, there, I ran into Ed Henry in that same neighborhood when he was uh, doing a, a book party before the release of his book, uh, hmm. Forty Two Faith. But I thought, is this where everything happens in the media in Washington? <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> Well, we were right down though. There was some uh, sort of uh, Washington hipster bar that was a couple blocks from there, a block and a half from there. But same neighborhood, Pete. I was like, "What?" Well, I know it only you know, because it, I got off it, the subway. The same stuff. It can't. It can't be true because if I'm there, the place is deader than the hula hoop. There's no way it's hip. <laughs> well, uh, let's let's talk about things that aren't deader than a hula hoop. The word back channel <laughs> popped late. Back channel. Uh, Friday back channel everybody back yeah. channel and it's like a it's like a back rub or a back it's, I don't know back channel everyone's just screaming it at some point right everyone's screaming it like it's like it's evil or they whisper it as if did you hear about uh did you hear about Kushner <laughs> in the back channel I heard there yeah. was a back channel oh my like, god and Trump has a what, what is a back channel Trump has a button under his desk. In, in the Resolute desk, he pushes a button and a back channel opens. Yes, and the fire comes out. <laughs> well, this, this whole story, to me, smacks of uh, just a, a, an exaggeration beyond anything I'd seen to this point. And, it, and I, 
I don't know. Is there anything here? Is there any? Is there a precedent, or is there? Isn't there something in the past that says we we've kind of had these relationships? Yeah, everyone. You know, it's 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 kind of a means of transmission. It could be evil if we do evil things with it, but there's there's not a lot of evidence I'm seeing yet that something really evil was done. John Sununu did a good job this morning of reminding people on TV that um, Nixon had a back channel, Kennedy had a back channel, and these were this was in you know, during transition. And, and then someone someone actually asked him on CNN, well, what if the back channel was on purpose away from the potentially, you know, the potentially prying eyes of Obama? And I should read you his quote because it was funny. He said, in other words, like, did they set up like a private back channel, which maybe is worse than just a back channel? Um, and he said, he said, well, it is the direct quote. With what you're reporting on now that has come out from deep sources in the intelligence... Spend a few minutes. God, sorry, my computer went nuts. Yeah. <laughs> So, so Sununu says, based on everything you're reporting now, quote, if that was a concern, and I doubt it was, but if that was a concern, they were pretty smart to have those feelings, weren't they? So in other words, they were right to maybe look to be dodging the prying eyes and ears of, of the Obama administration because it, look at all the stuff they were snooping on. So, but but the, on, to the main point of a back channel, you know, these guys have discussions. You'd have to really show, I think, that something horrible was discussed, not just the fact that they were discussing things. And so back channel, to some in the media, has become this kind of term of, just, just any discussion at all is sort of an evil thing, and, and the back channel is now kind of a four-letter word. Well, for me, I, I remember discussions of back channel, uh, a back channel existing between Obama and I- Iran and through Russia, that right. Russia was this, this conduit, this back channel dealer, that they were like the switchboard at the back channel network. That linked people who didn't want to have, you know. I, I imagine we're having, and didn't didn't John Kerry have a back channel discussion with uh, with the North Koreans at one point? Didn't you know? All of this stuff seems to exist. So why why is it is it only because the people are still mad at the at the fact that the Trump family is in the White House? It seems like that's part of it. I, and I think, to be fair, I don't remember, I really, and I, and I was, this is all just recent, I was reporting in these years that where, uh, you know, what were the sort of secret, quiet discussions they were having. I, I don't remember anyone, I really don't remember, it, it may have happened, you could look it up, it, maybe someone was mad that it was happening. But I think mostly people were mad at the policy. People cared that, not that there was a discussion, but there, that there was a discussion about X, Y, and Z, you know, doing a, a nuclear deal with Iran. Um, and that's what's funny about these Kushner stories, I think, at least so far. They could be onto something. They could they could find out that something horrible was said. But right now, everyone just seems to be mad that, that there was any discussion of anything at all. Yeah, it seems, to, and, and at least I, I'm just assuming, and Pete, you know this about me, uh, I, I've not been in the Trump camp uh, or oh, yeah. the Clinton camp. But it seems to me that, that this Kushner guy, who appears to be pretty smart, pretty normal, a kind of a, a conservative thinker, that he would be really dumb to try and do something nefarious through a, even a back channel, knowing that the Russians, everything that goes in and out of any Russian ambassador's office or phone is going to be listened to by somebody in the NSA. He would have to be just stuck on stupid to try and make some kind of a shady deal. He'd have to be Billy Carter stupid to do that. Wow, that's yeah, that's funny. Um, no comment on that. But again, okay, yeah. and and again, as these transition guys go through, they know. You know, look, there's there's a lot of 
there was a lot of animosity. I mean, like right away, the Democrats started saying Russia was was the reason we have Trump in the White House. I mean, the, you know, it's it's funny how the Democrats have created this Russia, Russia, Russia. And if you really peel behind it, you know, a lot of Democrats have said in the last few weeks, there's there's no there's no evidence of collusion they've seen even yet. You know, it's it's still a theory. It's a theory that that there was cooperation. Now, I mean, did could Russia have hoped for Trump over Clinton? Sure. But I mean, we also saw Obama go to the UK and, and tell people openly, don't vote for Brexit. I mean, you know, countries try to influence each other. It's not it's not a major problem, you know, unless you get into things like election tampering. But um, so, you know, at the, at the collusion level, there's nothing still. And, and we've gone four months like this or, or longer, actually, at this point, blabbing about all this stuff. So Kushner just to me seems to be um, kind of another another pile of something that we don't know what it is. It could become something, but I, I don't see any reason yet to get that excited about it because, I mean, I think they're just it's sort of self-made smoke and no evidence of fire yet. So I need to tell Maxine Waters to calm down. Hey, anyone can be impeached, but um, um, we've, we've uh, so far I think we're flipping out now over, over stuff that happened mostly in the transition at this point. And, and what I keep joking about, too, is, is Mike Flynn. You know, you can wake up most days and think Mike Flynn is still in office. I mean, usually when you get these guys, you're done with it, you know. They're fired and it's over. But um, so my, my joke, my horrible joke on Twitter has been, they're going to get this Mike Flynn guy one of these days, and he's going to be fired. <laughs> I mean, like, I honestly forget he's been out for two months. He's been out longer than he was in. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he's been out of office twice, maybe three times as long as he was in office and we're still treating it like he's in office and he needs to be frog-marched out of the White House. He would have to be frog-marched back in in order to be frog-marched yes. out. So it's craziness. Well, so it's going to be a good week for you, Pete. I guess you know where. What's that, sorry? It's going to be a good week for you. I, I assume that this kind of uh, entertainment should be a good week for you, especially sure. with sure. all of the uh, the palace intrigue over a shakeup in the White House. I, you know, we're... I, I'm just wondering how long before Katrina Pearson is back in the White House. I, well, that's what everyone's suddenly talking about is, is where is Lewandowski? Where is Katrina Pearson? Where is uh, Laura Ingram? Maybe is she, you know, I mean, these are the names that come up all the time. And, and um, it, you do get the sense this is sort of real this time. I mean, the White House is saying that he will go at some point, And I have to imagine they might be waiting, letting him hang around until they find a replacement. So the, you, you might start seeing stories about people sneaking in and out of the White House and maybe auditioning for that job. Well, and, and what's the story of Officer Krupke, who left today? What's his name? The uh, communications oh. guy? Oh, uh, yeah, it's a weird... Um, Dubke or something. Yeah, yeah, Dub, Dub, Dubke. It's probably Polish, and here I am Polish, and that proves how dumb Polish people are. I can't even pronounce it. I guess you say it, Dubke. Dubke. You're welcome. I, I, it sounds yeah. like someone's <laughs> saying thank you in Polish. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yakshimas. But, yeah, this guy never heard of, and he resigned. He tendered his resignation on the 18th, but told the president, I know you're leaving town. I'll be happy to ride it out till you get back. And, yeah, and, so, and we never heard about that. Yeah, and, and I've never heard the guy. So now he's gone and all kinds of rumors. So uh, do, you guys have a, um, do you guys have a wagering pool on who's going to be first to go in this shakeup? No, no I'm too, I'm too, I'd rather just bet on the horses. It's easier. <laughs> just easier. It's, it's, it's so much moving around. I don't. I don't. I, and, I, and you know me. I don't follow the people so well. I, I don't. I don't care much about who's in there. I'm just. We're just trying to track. A lot of us trying to track. You know, what are they doing in there? Um, and so there is a lot of shuffling. And then weirdly, you know, there's still not a lot of 
major Trump guys in in a lot of spots. You know, a lot of the agencies are a lot of the, the big departments just have a couple guys at the top, and they're trying to wrestle that mess underneath them. Um, so it's you know, there's still a lot more names to come here for other departments we haven't seen yet. Um, but in terms of the intrigue, no, I'm a terrible better there. I would maybe at that point I would start looking at the names and not their stats. You know, unlike the horses, I guess I would start reading the names and just listen for the sound of a of a of a guy with a name that sounds doomed. <laughs> I don't know if I can pull it off. These are like the guys wearing the red shirt on the landing party on the old Star Trek. You know, the guy who beams down with the captain. <laughs> yes. he, he's going. He's going to be out soon. I got it. Well, his name is Pete Gasparowitz. He's with the Washington Examiner. You should follow him on Twitter, and you should read him anyway, because he's just a good guy, despite his uh, lack of ability to pick the horses. Because if he picked them right, he'd be out of here. He'd be running some sort of handicapping newspaper out of, out of Belmont, out of, a, out of a limousine at the track at Belmont. But, you know, I, I still respect you, Pete, because you're a better, a better handicapper than I. We, we no, 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 no. We'll see. We should, yeah, but I was saying we should start horse talk. I think that would do well. You, you, you're probably missing out. Do like a Sunday radio horse talk. Yeah, because I, I need to have one more day where I'm on the radio as opposed yeah. to the six right now. Thank <laughs> you. True. Six hours Thank a day you, my is friend. not that much. Well, I hope to see you soon. I appreciate your input on this. I love the input on the Sununu and Back Channel and uh, the ethics test for our members of Congress. His, his name is Pete Kasparowitz, and uh, we'll get him back again soon. Thank you, Pete. Anytime, Mike. Take care. When we get back, uh, there's an update on a really weird story from last week, and I'll share it with you just around the corner on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You know, there's a story on The Blaze that's a follow-up to a story on The Blaze from last week about the kids in uh, Evergreen, Washington. The kids who got all upset, remember, when one of their professors didn't like the idea of forcibly mandating that uh, white people not show up on the, the one day. They used to have this voluntary day to show you uh, what happens if one group is not present in your life or in your world and so for example it was uh, one year it was a day without a woman one year it might have been a day without uh latinos one day uh, one year it might have been a day without black people this year it was supposed to be a day without white people students and teachers and it was declared to be mandatory you were told if you're white don't show up and one teacher disagreed and sent a letter to his colleagues and the students freaked out. They got wind of this. And they freaked out and they took over the president's office at the university. They took over the library. They went to this professor's office and confronted him. How dare he? How dare he have a differing opinion at this institute of higher learning? That's just so wrong. Well, the story went viral, went everywhere. We pointed out the snowflakiness of these people. We pointed out the, the shallowness of their argument. We pointed out the foolishness. 
and the story and the video of the students went everywhere. And now they're mad. They're mad that it went viral. They're mad that, that their words are out there being used against, how dare you? I guess that's cultural appropriation too. I guess that's stealing from them. These kids are so ill-equipped to go out into the real world and face a world that doesn't always guarantee you a win, that sometimes pushes back, that most times pushes back. It's one of the more frightening things I've seen. And you know what? If I were these kids, if I were their parents, if I were the one getting that bill from the university for forty or $50,000 a year to put that person through school, I'd have a tendency to say, I'm not paying this bill because you didn't deliver. You gave us not only less, you gave us unacceptable results. I would grade the school. So if you're really going to do it, you know, imagine if this were a car, you'd take the car back and say, this is a lemon. This education you're giving these kids isn't preparing them for anything but kindergarten. So I'm sorry, kids in Evergreen, Washington. No, you don't get to be outraged because you went viral. Isn't that what all you kids want is to be a viral smash? You don't get to pick and choose. It's not like that. We'll be right back. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka only on the Blaze Radio Network. Second hour, Pure Opelka. We're into it. We're knee deep. We discussed some of the uh, early stuff this morning with uh, Pete Kasparowitz. It's morning in parts of the country. It's afternoon here on the East Coast. It's just after one o'clock. I have to take um, I have to take CNN to task. They're they're running the any moment now graphic again. Any moment now graphic about the White House press conference. And that's been up since noon. It's been up for over an hour. Um, the The White House press conference is happening after two o'clock. So let's not let's not jerk anybody's chain here, CNN. Please, you know, come on. What are we doing? It it's a little ridiculous. But there again, there it is. So uh, uh, an hour from right now, our friend uh, Wendy Patrick, Dr. Wendy Patrick, is going to uh, talk about the White House shakeup. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about uh, Jared Kushner. And um, Wendy's got a, a new article out in, in uh, Psychology Today that we should discuss as well. Something that's near and dear to her heart. If you know her book, um, the one about how to get rid of the frenemies in your life, Red Flags. And that's uh, that's a big a big deal. So we'll talk about that. Uh, I've got a couple of interesting pieces that are out there today, including the latest from um, from Chelsea Clinton, who if you if you heard the news, if you listen to the news at the top of the hour, you may have heard Chelsea Clinton talking about 
whether or not she's going to run for office. I, I just think, I just think that the media wants Chelsea Clinton to run for office. I don't think Chelsea Clinton wants to run for office, or it sure doesn't feel that way. Uh, and yet, she seems to be uh, getting kind of shoved into it. If you know what I'm saying, it seems as if they're they're really trying to push her into that. Uh, the, there's also some. I got to get after Joy Behar on The View. The ladies on The View need to accept the election results. The ladies on The View need to say, okay, we we give you credit for this. But but they can't. They apparently can't give it up. And I, I I would love to play it for you, but I just had a small computer meltdown. I was vamping here for a minute. So I'm going to hold off and uh, shift gears and go into, I'm going to go old school and go analog on you. I want to talk about Angela Merkel. Angela Merkel and the story that uh, all these people over the weekend went nuts over, specifically the last couple of days, saying that Angela Merkel, Angela Merkel is telling everybody, well, well, we can't trust America because of Donald Trump. That's the way they were spinning it on CNN over the weekend. That's the way they were, of course, spinning it on MSNBC over the weekend. But what did Angela Merkel really say in her campaign speech? Now, remember, Angela Merkel is running for office. She's campaigning to get elected again. And she's at a beer garden and she's talking to her her constituents and this is just like a regular campaign speech when people talk about donald trump's campaign rhetoric this was angela merkel talking to an audience at a beer garden talking about pushing her agenda to get herself elected and what is her message her message is germans need to be strong we we are a strong economy we need to be strong but listen to the translation The times when we could completely count on others, they are over to a certain extent. I have experienced this in the last few days, and that is why I can only say that we Europeans must really take our fate into our own hands. Interesting, right? Listen to that again. Listen to the translation. I know you're all busily trying to find the German words that match the English words, looking for the cognates, but... uh, Listen to the translation and specifically the words, because all we kept hearing this weekend from the liberal commentators and and the people whose hair has been on fire over Trump since he was elected. All we've been hearing is that uh, Angela Merkel is since Trump left, Angela Merkel's talking about the fact that we can't trust America anymore. The times when we could completely count on others, they are over to a certain extent. The times when we could completely count on others, they are over to a certain extent. All right, continue. I've experienced this in the last few days. So what happened in the last few days? Oh, the G7 meeting, the meeting with Donald Trump at Brussels as well at the dedication I've experienced this within the last few days. The times when we could completely count on others, that's gone now. I've experienced this. 
And that is why I can only say that we Europeans must really take our fate into our own hands. We Europeans must really take our fate into our own hands. Isn't this amazing? Isn't this just amazing? If, if this were a child, an 18-year-old perhaps, saying, you know, I've just realized something now that I am of my majority that I am supposed to take my fate into my own hands. I'm supposed to be responsible for myself. Do you think people would be running around saying, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, did you hear that kid? He's saying he can't trust his parents anymore. He can't rely on his parents. He's got to have to do everything for himself. Well, Europe, guess what? It really is about time that you do some things for yourself. It really is about time you either pay for the, the defense that we provide or we work out some kind of a deal. But what's wrong with this? And this is the example I use when I talk about the left and the left-leaning media twisting whatever's being said to their own agenda. Here you have someone who's basically saying, you know, we should be, we should be the strongest entity. We're strong enough now to do it ourselves. She could have played sisters are doing it for themselves and walked out on stage to give that message. And it would have been fine. I just don't understand why the media, the American media, the left-leaning American media wants to pin everything on Trump and twist every word against Donald Trump. Especially after the trip the president had, and especially after the day he had yesterday. The president coming back from his, his I think, very successful trip overseas. I think it was a, a great trip. Was there any, anything you could point to that would be a negative? Maybe the uncomfortable sword dance. But then all of these overseas trips usually result in some bad dance with uh, local customs or local costumes. Was it Melania allegedly slapping the president's hand away because she didn't want a little public display of affection? Was that it? Because I can't think of anything else. Oh, 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 the, the pushing aside of the Macedonian leader to get to the front for the class picture. Yeah, that was Trump alpha mailing and maybe not the, the best the best move. But, you know, the mainstream media can't accept this guy had a good trip. And they certainly didn't know what to say yesterday after he, he attended the, the wreath-laying ceremony at Arlington National Cemetery. I want you to listen to Donald Trump being really, in my opinion, very presidential yesterday. Vice President Pence, Cabinet Secretaries, members of Congress, members of the armed forces and veterans. Thank you for joining us as we honor the brave warriors who gave their lives for ours, spending their last moments on this earth in defense of this country and of its people. Words cannot measure the depth of their devotion, the purity of their love, or the totality of their courage. We only hope that every day we can prove worthy 
not only of their sacrifice and service, but of the sacrifice made by the families and loved ones they left behind. I thought that that little 50 seconds of Donald Trump tagged just about every presidential base you could want to tag, and then he finished it. I believe that God has a special place in heaven for those who lay down their lives so that others may live free from fear and this horrible oppression. Now, let us pledge to make the most of that freedom that they so gallantly and brilliantly fought for, and they died to protect. Let us also pledge to tell the stories of Robert, Chris, Andrew, and all of America's fallen warriors today and for the next 1,000 years. Yeah, absolutely, for the next 1,000 years. That moment, those two snippets of Donald Trump yesterday at Arlington National Cemetery were the punctuation on the trip. And all the media could do was obsess about the fact that Angela Merkel has decided that Europe needs to stand up on its own two feet and be responsible for itself. And they wanted to call that some sort of betrayal. It's so twisted. It's so, it, it, it's such a load of Bravo Sierra. It's such a, an exposure of what the mainstream media has become. And it's a never Trump machine, basically. The mainstream media has now co-opted the never Trump movement. And they are trying to do whatever they can to the point where you even have, as I mentioned earlier, you even have the Joy Behars of the world who just cannot admit that Donald Trump won the election. Behar, listening to uh, Jedediah Bila talk about Trump winning the election, has to interject. She cannot admit that he won the election. But leaders of other countries weren't elected by Americans, and you know he what? won here. Let's face it. You don't have to agree. He didn't win. He won here. here. He just won the electoral college. Three million oh, people did oh, not he vote. Won. He won. He right. won. That's called winning the election. He did not win. She keeps saying it. No matter what you will say to Joy Behar, he did not win. He did not win. Three and a half million people. He did not win. He won the electoral college. That's all he won. Would somebody please explain to Joy Behar how the nation works? Would somebody please get it? Can you please, please, Joy Behar? No. So this is another example. This is the mainstream media taking on the mantle of the Never Trump movement. And they're going to keep it and keep it alive until they either get Hillary in 2020 or Chelsea, maybe in 2024. Who knows? Yeah, there's another clip of Chelsea being asked again because she's she's once again out on the press stump. I'll play it for you. Uh, we'll get to it after a break. This is Michael Pelka on Puro Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? 
Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. You know, I did something over the weekend that I have not done in a long time, and that was I played golf back to back. I played a lot of golf this past weekend. And I I have to tell you, there's only there's only two words that can explain why I was able to play golf back-to-back this weekend. And those two words are relief factor. All-natural anti-inflammatory relief factor. It's, uh, it's changed my life. It's gotten me back in the game, as they say. And I don't know why you haven't called 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384 or visited relieffactor.com to find out about the the three-week quick start pack. It's nineteen ninety-five. Jay and Linda decided to try it out. Jay and Linda, and they stopped by the Blaze offices to talk about it. I've got constant pain in both knees and uh, in my left hip. It's just been miserable pain, and I would just endure it until I was almost in tears and crawling along the backside of the couch for support. So I ordered it, and Linda came home, and I said, I got this for us. In about two weeks, 10 days to two weeks for both of us, we noticed the difference. All of a sudden I had to start thinking, when was the last time I really felt that sciatica pull? When was the last time I was very uncomfortable by the end of the day? It has made a difference just the way I get up out of bed and getting out of a chair. Relief factor. Don't wait. Don't be in pain any longer than you need to be. Try the Quick Start Pack. Three-week Quick Start Pack, 1995. Give them a call. 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. I'm telling you, work for me. Uh, so much going on today. Of course, we're going to monitor whatever happens in the press briefing. Of course, we're tracking down, is there going to be a change? Is there going to be a shakeup in the White House? Will there be some new faces? There have been some rumors ever since the president left the country. The wheels of Air Force One were barely off the runway. When you heard people saying, oh, there's going to be a shakeup. There's going to be a shakeup here. Corey Lewandowski's back here. Paul Manafort. Katrina Pierce. You know, stop it. And then we went through it all. And now now we hear that the the president has... uh, started a rapid response team that he's brought back in to help him deal with some of the the um, the never Trump media attacks on his administration. The president also posed a question today. I think I have it here. The president was talking about uh, getting rid of the filibuster. And that's an that's an interesting point. A very interesting point that. uh, that the president's bringing up. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. And I I would love to have a discussion with you guys about that. 
I'd love to have a discussion with you all about whether or not you think it's a good idea. I remember sitting in in a meeting of the progressive media at the Senate building. This meeting was chaired by Harry Reid and Chuck Schumer in 2009, and they were discussing getting rid of the filibuster. And there was, uh, there was considerable pushback from the media saying, uh, you realize that eventually you'll be out of power. And they said, no, we don't think we'll ever be out of power. Ha, ha, ha. A few years later, this is when they had a 60-vote uh, majority in the Senate. And they were going to blow out the filibuster on everything. They ended up doing it for uh, judicial appointments. And, and that created a small problem. But now, now the president wants to change all of it. The president just wants 51 votes. And he wants to push forward on, um, push forward on tax reform and on health care reform. And, and that's what he's hoping for. And I wonder where you guys stand on that. Because I, I don't know about you, but I tend to think that the filibuster, the filibuster is a good thing. I think the filibuster protects us from being different from just a pure democracy. That filibuster protects the minority votes in the House and Senate. That filibuster in the Senate specifically protects those in the minority. And yet, just three hours ago, the president tweeted from his personal account, the U.S. Senate should switch to 51 votes immediately and get health care and tax cuts approved fast and easy. Dems would do it, no doubt. Let's ask that vital question. Where do you stand? Where do you stand on Donald Trump's idea to push the Senate to just 51 votes, eliminate the filibuster? Yes, no, good, bad. Join the conversation. I'll be here when we get back after the break. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. The show's moving quick today. I can't believe we're already half over. I uh, have, have a couple of interesting things coming up just around the corner. Dr. Wendy Patrick joins us. I want to talk about a potential White House shakeup with Wendy. And uh, I, I want to talk about her article. Because she is somebody who has a take on the, the whole online dating thing. She's got a new story, an article in uh, psychology today and uh, so we'll get to her on that but i just posted a vital question of the day and i really would like this audience to weigh in on it and i know you guys are out there because you're already engaged on twitter i'm getting i'm getting poked from all angles here today uh cons militias out there cindy Mann's out there uh i see you i see you people some of the smart ones online today hey stacy rippy's out there too um, wondering where you stand on this. The president called earlier today for an elimination 
of the filibuster in the Senate, which he said would push through tax cuts and health care reform really quickly and easily. And I'm against it. My my position on this is uh, no, that that's my firm position on it. I believe that it's a bad idea that it will it will create a real problem. Uh, if you think we have division now, you're going to have massive division if you you have no protection of the minority in the Senate. And I think it's really important, really important. And so I, I posted the. I posted the vital question of the day. It's on Twitter, on my uh, Twitter account, and CPAC 2018 just retweeted it. Hello, CPAC buddies. Matt Schlapp and the crew over at CPAC. Uh, They want to know as well. And so I'll bet you this one gets some pretty good traction today. Uh, Currently, boy, this is interesting. Uh, In very early voting, and again, less than 1% of you have weighed in. Uh, 25% say eliminate it. 25% say, oh, I don't know. And 50% say keep it. I do believe that if, if you end up in a situation where your party is not in the majority, you are then basically faced with, uh, what are we doing? Mob rule. 51% can turn things around. So it, to me, the, the filibuster serves a very important purpose. But I do want to know where you stand on it. What do you think? What do you, you, the, the educated voter, think? And, you know, can you imagine what would have happened under Obama if the Senate had actually gone and eliminated and made a rules change getting rid of all all of the rights to filibuster? What, what would this country have looked like now? What kind of laws would they have been able to shove through if there was no ability to threaten the filibuster? Can you imagine? I, I, I shudder to think. Uh, they would have said, remember, too, this would have all been for the good of the children. This would have all been for the good of of uh, the way they would have changed immigration or refugee status or anything. For all we know, they could have uh, allowed Obama to run for a, a third term. It don't, don't laugh. It would have happened. Maybe not. Maybe I exaggerate to clarify. Some of you have already said, uh, let's see here, Letter Fluid wrote, I don't think it should be eliminated, but I think you should actually be required to stand on the floor and filibuster. Yes, I agree with you, Letter Fluid. I, I agree with you that uh, somebody should be required to actually stand there. If you're going to say we're going to filibuster, you should have to do it. It should be painful. Jeremy's checking in from North Carolina. Happy Tuesday that feels like a Monday, Jeremy. How are you, sir? I'm good, Mike. How are you? I'm good. Uh, you know, I'm kind of energized. Came back from the, the long weekend, energized, had a good experience out at the, uh, the Delaware Veterans Cemetery. And, and I feel like uh, we've got some traction under our feet after the, uh, the president's trip. And then I get nervous when he says stuff like this, eliminate the filibuster, because I understand the protections of it. But where do you stand? Um, I'm, I actually stand with the filibuster. Um, however, I think if we're going to stand on the filibuster, I would like to see a bill passed 
that states that the filibuster cannot be removed through rule changes, um, and I don't think the filibuster should be used for appointments because I don't think it was ever intended to be used for appointments. And if the Democrats won't vote for a bill that basically makes the filibuster permanent and non-removable, then I say all bets are off because, as Trump said, um, the Democrats would do it in a heartbeat. So if we're going to hold ourselves to uh, maintaining the filibuster, then we need to guarantee that they are required to maintain the filibuster. Well, you bring up a really good point, especially the point that says you shouldn't be able to change the filibuster the, the way it's set up merely by changing the rules, because who's ever in control of Congress has the right at the start of that new Congress to change the rules. So they can change the rules in the House. They can change the rules in the Senate at the start of a new Congress. And what you're saying is you can't do it just on a rule change. We got to make it a little bit tougher than that. And I, I actually agree with you on that. I think that's a good way to do it because then the minute the balance of power is shifted, you would automatically think, well, they're still mad about the rule change thing. So we're going to go back in and uh, change it again. So, yeah, that's kind of a protection. I, I view the, the filibuster as something that's kind of sacred in, in our, our government anyway. Uh, it absolutely is. Um, taking away the filibuster would be the same as taking away the republic and democratic republic. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think there definitely needs to be protections put in place to prevent them from rolling them back willy-nilly whenever they want to pass something that they want to pass. Yeah. Well, that's you. You, you bring up, the, again, the, at, the, at the core of all of this is the protection of the unique situation we have where we are not a pure democracy we are a republic we are a representational republic which has unique protections built in for those who are in the minority par party and it prevents mob justice thank you so much for getting up uh getting up off the couch and joining the conversation early in the week appreciate you and have uh, where are you on twitter are we following you anywhere on twitter um, it's control K A H N T R O L, um, on Twitter. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've been around since the early days of Buck on Saturdays and you on the, uh, Freedom Hut line. And so, so I've been around a while. Oh, good, good. So, uh, yeah, it's good. To, I see you now. I'm going to give you a follow. So thanks for joining in. And appreciate you. And uh, have a great day, Jeremy. Thanks, thanks to you for being out there. Wow, that's uh, he's got quite an interesting little Twitter page. I have to keep an eye on <laughs> Jeremy. That's good stuff on his Twitter page. I'm surprised I didn't see this earlier. Uh, happy to follow as many of you as I can. I try to keep up with all of you. Uh, again, uh, seeing a lot of people jumping in on the conversation on the, the, the vital question of the day, where do you stand on elimination of the filibuster about just changing everything that goes on in the Senate to a simple 51-vote majority? Could be, could be game-changing. Could be game-changing. Uh, I'm going to step aside here for a break. When we get back, I want to talk about um, some more about this Kushner thing and about the, the back-channel story 
Uh, one of my old friends, another former Blaze colleague, was on Fox News talking about it. She brought up a really interesting point about the about uh, the um, the back channel situation with Jared Kushner, and it's a point that shows the bias, the built-in bias of the Washington Post. It's it's naked bias, and we will expose that naked bias next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Doc Thompson, paging Doc Thompson. Doc Thompson, just like you to know, tomorrow I'll be wearing green underwear. Doc Thompson, tomorrow I'll be wearing green underwear. It's a little bit of an inside joke. If you didn't get it, think about it. In the words of Jeff Fisher, think about it. I have some weird news coming up later today. Next hour, I have to do some weird news. There's some really weird news. You won't believe what the latest elective surgery in the Hamptons is for this summer. You know, the Hamptons, that place where the, the well-heeled go to spend their summers. They're in the Hamptons with, with uh, Martha Stewart and all the people who chop her in and out. Yeah, there's there's an elective surgery trend in the Hamptons that's a little disturbing. It's about, among men. I'll get to the story on the women, but there's it's a little little disturbing. And then just around the corner, the top of the next hour, we're going to talk to our friend Wendy Patrick. Yes, she's the prosecutor, attorney, political expert. She has a new story on psychology today about online dating. We're going to talk about the White House shakeup as well. Uh, and I want to talk about another, another young lady, a former colleague from The Blaze, Amy Holmes, who is Real Amy Holmes on Twitter, at Real Amy Holmes on Twitter. I think Amy's going to be joining us later this week. She wanted to uh, chat up some of the topics of the day. And uh, she's a good, strong, conservative woman, somebody I appreciate. As I said, we used to work side by side at The Blaze for, gosh, about five years. I'm in my seventh year, and she was there almost from the very beginning. But Amy was on Fox and Friends talking about the situation with uh, the charges of a back channel and uh, Jared Kushner. And we talked a little bit with Pete Kasparowitz about it, how John Sununu said that back channels existed all the time, that back channels aren't a bad thing, that back channels are how business gets done. Well, Amy Holmes put it into a, a pretty solid perspective when she gave us the timeline and uh, how back channels were considered to be something positive under a previous administration. 
This is a part of diplomacy, as General H.R. McMaster, our national security advisor, said, that he was unconcerned about this Jared Kushner, you know, back-channel story. And I, I want to point out that when Obama did it with the Iran deal, we're talking about, you know, major policy implications here, it was treated as if it was uh, fascinating and clever. Mm. When Republicans do it, and particularly Mr. Trump, then it's nefarious and sinister. And in fact, David Ignatius at the Washington Post uh, wrote a column about the Obama back-channel and he said that this was an example about how breakthroughs come through strange and invisible pathways, but none of all the, the hype and hysteria that we're seeing with Jared Kushner. So strange and invisible pathways create breakthroughs under a Democratic administration, but strange and invisible pathways suddenly become nefarious and possible collusion and maybe illegal and a host of other things that come out of it. It's just such nakedly obvious hypocrisy. And, and it's just mad, isn't it? It's just mad. So we'll see. And I think the interesting thing here is Jared Kushner staying calm in all of this. The White House isn't responding. The White House is letting it ride. The White House is just saying, okay, keep going forward. Keep moving, people. Keep going. So I don't think there's going to be a big stink about this. I think the Kushner thing will create uh, more chances for Maxine Waters to get out in front of the world and uh, say the words, connect the dots, and say the words, where there's smoke, there's fire, and to say the word impeachment a couple dozen more times. That seems to be what keeps Maxine going. So uh, I, I don't anticipate anything coming out of the Kushner deal. Other than, well, Obama did it. Well, Nixon did it. Well, every damn president has done it and had people create back-channel communications. This is how, especially in the transition time, when you're getting ready to take on a role, you're allowed to say, if you need me, here's my cell phone number. And now we're actually hearing that the request may not have come from Kushner, as was first reported, but may have come from the Russians. So it may have been the Russians saying, hey, we'd like to set up a back-channel communication. Not Kushner saying, hey, can we have a double-secret back-channel communication? No, you can't. And you need to calm down. All right. Coming up in the third hour, as I said, we're going to talk to Dr. Wendy. We're going to talk about the weirdest trend in uh, elective surgery for men this summer in the Hamptons. And did you see the Indy 500? Yeah. There was a consequence to that, too. We should talk about that. And I've got a whole host of weird news. Plus, a bunch of people checked out over the weekend. You had the only guy ever elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame and the United States Senate passed away this weekend. The only guy ever to be elected to both of those prestigious organizations. Who was it? I'll explain after the break. Come on back. Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
Welcome back. Third hour, Piero Pelka. Wow, it's flying by for me. I don't. I hope it is for you, too. A, a lot to cover yet in this third hour. And here's a quick update on today's vital question. This morning, just about four hours ago, President Trump tweeted on his personal Twitter account that he would like the Senate to switch to 51 votes immediately and get health care and tax cuts approved fast and easy. Dems would do it, no doubt. Well, it made me wonder, where do you stand on the filibuster? Should it be eliminated? Donald Trump says we should kill it, change it. Use the rules change. Just make it 51 votes in the Senate. And currently on the vital question poll on Twitter at StuntBrain, uh, 47% of you say yes, eliminate the filibuster. 34% say keep it. And 19%, almost 20% of you are saying, oh, I don't know. See, this one's a tough one. This one's a head scratcher. And to help me understand this and some of the other strange goings on in Washington, D.C. today, we need to welcome our friend, Dr. Wendy Patrick. WendyPatrickPhD.com is where you find her. And you should also pick up her book about red flags, how to spot those frenemies in your life. Hello, my friend. How are you? Good. Always a pleasure, Mike. Glad to be here. I hope you had a long, restful weekend and that you are happy that today is almost the middle of the week. It's just it makes me feel so good. (laughs) I guess it depends on what you consider the first day of the week, but you're absolutely right. It's a great day. And yesterday was a wonderful Memorial Day holiday. Just terrific. It it feels like a Monday, but it's a Tuesday. So it's like a bonus. You wake up tomorrow. Boom. Wednesday, middle of the week. It's just wonderful. Sometimes if you've got a four-day week, those four days seem to last longer. (laughs) I don't know what it is, Mike. (laughs) I'll bet you there are people in Washington, D.C. today saying that this week is going to crawl. It is not going to fly by. And one of the people that are going to say that is the president, because here he comes back from that successful foreign trip to a weekend dominated by his son-in-law, Jared Kushner. It is no doubt why you're seeing pics of him all over the Internet looking a little down in the dumps, probably wanting to tout all the accomplishments and all the great contacts he made abroad, only to come back and we're still talking about Russia. Not only are we talking about Russia, but, you know, from Friday when the Washington Post lobbed a grenade over the fence at the White House saying Jared Kushner asked for a back channel. And now we're hearing that maybe the Russians asked for the back channel first. And we're also hearing people say, hold on a second, Washington Post. Weren't you the people who said Obama's back channel was what gave us the brilliant breakthroughs to make the Iran deal? And it was creative and invisible and all kinds of stuff. It's crazy to me. It is, and I got to laugh. You would never get through. I don't know how you ever get through TSA at an airport with all of your bomb analogies. (laughs) It was a grenade lob. (laughs) You would never make it. But you're right. It's a good way to put it. (laughs) Please don't say that, Wendy. I'm supposed to get on a flight next week to Dallas. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, one of the reasons it was a grenade, and and I think that's an apt analogy, is um, in this administration, there is so much news every day that to make this story the headline that is drowning out all other headlines 
seems a bit over the top. That has been the consensus, particularly when you have Kushner himself saying, hey, I am happy. Or he's not taking the fifth. He's not playing any of those games. He's saying, I am happy to testify before Congress and explain the scenario. And understandably, there are administration officials that say, no, there's no problem with this. We've done it before. Um, Some wise words from John McCain were not about whether or not it could be done, but he was questioning the timing. Is it was it proper to be during the before the Trump had even taken office, before Kushner himself had a, a position within the administration? So while certainly it deserves investigation and discussion, there it probably shouldn't be the biggest headline. I'm going to date myself above the font 14 point. Right? Remember when we used to have newspapers? Oh my God! Yeah. Should, should it be that headline, or should it simply be one story among others, among many? Well, and you make a really solid point, especially about one story among many, because I think what the Democrats are doing, while while people who don't see a big problem with it are concerned about it, the Democrats are talking about critical mass, that this might be that final straw that creates so much weight that this whole thing comes crumbling down. But yet, yet we have yet to see real evidence. We've yet to see any concrete evidence of collusion. We've seen meetings. We've seen discussions. The only guy, and Pete Gasperwitz from the Washington Examiner was on uh, at the bottom of the first hour of the show today, and he was talking about the fact that the only guy who's really been in trouble is Flynn, and they fired him months ago. He's been gone. They can't bring him back in and fire him again, but he's the only guy that really has any serious... uh, Serious problems, it seems, or potential problems. So I think this is just, this is all about slowing down any agenda Trump has. And that seems to be the only thing it's actually doing. That's right. And, you know, it reminds me of my job every day walking into a courtroom, right? The judge or jury says, show me the evidence. Anybody can say anything. Anybody can allege anything. Show me the evidence. Obviously, that doesn't help in the court of public opinion. But the the problem is the bad press and the optics. And here's why Kushner is such a unique figure. Trump will fire anybody uh, that is going to bring him that kind of bad press if it's if there's actually fire, not just smoke. But remember, his cardinal rule is family first. He's fiercely loyal to his family. So Kushner falls into both camps. Uh, you know, he fall on the one hand, certainly, you know, you don't want a staffer getting this kind of press being being the news instead of reporting the news or being involved in the news. But then again, this is his son-in-law. So pre- the president's in a very tough position when it comes to Jared Kushner and what to do about Kushner. He, so he's different than many of the other staffers that are getting wind of the fact that they've done or said something publicly. Even Sean Spicer falls into that camp and they their job may be on the line because of it. Remember, there were rumors circulating around the communications director that just stepped down. I know a lot of people don't even realize there was a communications director behind the scenes. People probably thought that was Sean Spicer. But Jared Kushner is different. You can't fire your son-in-law when he is such a close ally within the administration. So maybe that's why the president isn't in the best of moods today, or maybe there's just bad camera angles that have resulted in those photos that we've seen over the last couple of days. Um, But certainly, let's wait for the evidence before anybody starts jumping to conclusions. You make a great point there. Well, you know, this you, you you just made me realize something. Can you imagine... If Donald Trump actually had to push Jared Kushner out, and I'm sure they would make it seem like it was his decision, but can right. you imagine the the next holiday dinner? 
Dad, Grandpa, why did you fire Daddy? <laughs> oh, you got to wonder how what goes on at those family dinners to begin with. What a riot. Yes, absolutely right. And, you know, you and I may never know because of all of the different ways in which one can gracefully exit from any administration, from any job. I mean, yep. look at General Flynn. Did he resign? Was he fired? Did he step down? I mean, that's just one example. You could only imagine what it would be like if it were a family member, as you point out. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Later in the show, I'm going to play uh, something from CNN, which speculates that Donald Trump is not only angry and alone, but he has gained weight and turned inward. And of course, it's all anonymous. (laughs) It's all speculation. It's all unnamed sources. And if any of us, if we're walking down the street and someone takes a series of photos You can find, if you spend enough time, the worst picture possible and use that picture. Which which is you with or without a beard. It's like you with or without a beard. Mike, did you lose a bet? (laughs) Is there a different reason you grew a beard? I mean, you change your profile photo on Twitter, and that's the first thing I said. (laughs) I I forgot about the beard. Thank you for bringing it back up again. You know what, Mike? I wonder if they're going to loop this gaining weight story into that other story. I think MSNBC first reported about how when he brought the Time Magazine reporters in, everybody got one scoop of ice cream and he got two. Do you remember that? Oh, my God. Oh, that's so right. That's why he's gaining weight. That's why he's gaining weight. He's eating too much. Oh, that's so funny. I completely forgot about the ice cream. He's stress eating, which, you know, I would be doing, too. I would absolutely be stress eating. (laughs) You know, I've got about I've got a good solid five minutes here, Wendy. I want to talk about your um, your your rock solid. This is not something I need or or have a use for. But you have a new piece on psychology today entitled Profiling Online Daters. Short self descriptions are suspect. If anyone out there in this audience is using uh, social media connections, online dating. Uh, I, I think you've got some really solid stuff here that I would say, wow, yeah, I could see that. What are, what are the basics yeah. we can talk about if anybody's out there uh, looking for uh, info on this? Oh, absolutely. So my last three or four columns have been on research related to online dating, because I know a lot of people online date. And so I wanted to really share what some of the studies show. And the one you mentioned yesterday really showed that people distrust online daters that have very short profiles and are not sharing the kind of information they're looking for. Obviously, a photo, believe it or not, still is the number one way people narrow down the choices. But after that, because let's face it, there's a lot of great photos online. They want to know a little bit about the person behind the persona is the way I put it. And the research shows less is not more. When we are are so reluctant to say anything about ourselves, when we maybe only have one photo, we're not showing our family, there are no selfies, there is no sports, there's, there's just that dearth of information. Sometimes even a great photo just won't cut it. And many otherwise very qualified candidates will never be looked at. Now, I know how it is. Some of your listeners may be thinking, I don't have five hours to fill out that profile. There are too many questions. But if you don't, the response from the, the very qualified, talented, beautiful pool that may be wanting to contact you will just shut you out because it is distrustful to just not be willing to share any information. That's not me talking. That's research. And it's important for people to know before they go online. Do it in a way so, where it's actually going to be successful. So if, you're, if you are a person who's doing the online dating, 
you you got to be you got to be checking out the profiles and you can assume that less in terms of information on their profile could be a red flag could be something that you need to pay attention to see because i i always watch people who put pictures up of every meal on their twitter right. account now, like this is what i have for my, breakfast as my college students would say that's tmi too much information yeah. but short and sweet does not signal sincere it triggers a fraud alert people wonder what you're hiding if you're not willing to share anything besides a photo they'll end up thinking that's not even your photo so sharing the kind of, whether it's family, occupation, where you live, enough information where you seem to be a real person who can be trusted, that is the very first step to getting as many hits to your profile as you can. So if you're going to spend the time, spend the money to online date, do it in a fashion that it's actually going to make you successful. Well, that's good advice. And, you know, for those of you out there looking, I just tweeted out a link to uh, Dr. Wendy Patrick's latest piece from psychology today profiling those online daters short self-descriptions are suspect i would raise an eyebrow i would say you know you know i before you i would connect with them i would say hey i need to know a little bit more i was curious about this i was curious about that so don't jump in with both feet until you That's get right. the if if the back of your head is asking a question to the front of your head you need to get that question answered by that person before you meet them in person. Just a, Amen. A God gave us intuition to use it. Use it or lose it. <laughs> you know what? We've been talking about promptings on this show for a while, and that's an important one. It's not just about what you're doing in your professional life, but it's also about your personal life. If the little hairs on the back of your neck stand up, if you're getting a prompt on a question, ask the question. It's okay. And it's something you should do. I love this, Wendy. We, we don't talk about this part of your life that often. You know, we always talk about the politics and the, and the courtroom stuff. But this is really good and important stuff for our audience. It is. You know, Mike, I've been a prosecutor for 22 years. And so almost everything I do is infused with that safety first sort of that's uh, really on the front burner of everything we talk about is whatever you're doing, do this, do that, but do it safely and smartly so that you'll be successful. Absolutely. Were you, were you the Doogie Hauser of law school? school when you're, oh, you're like 12? <laughs> you're killing older, me. I'm older than I look. <laughs> <laughs> What a gift. Uh, before I let you go, Wendy, you have to answer today's question, or did you already? Did you did you say you were against elimination of the filibuster or you could live with it? You know, I, I could go either way because there are there are benefits. I see there's your lawyer answer. You can't ask a lawyer to say yes or no. Um, but I, I, 51% would actually bring it in line with the way so many other votes go. But I also want to say sometimes it depends on what you're voting on because there are just some things that need more of a consensus than a preponderance of the evidence, as we say in civil court, a, tie, a slight tipping of the scales. If they're important decisions, wouldn't you want to know there's more backing behind it? So you know better than to ask me that question. <laughs> I guess well, I your answer is particularly lawyerly and well phrased. Oh, I, I appreciate it. You. Well, uh, the the only good thing about the short week for me is we get you sooner rather than later next week. So we'll connect next you Monday. Bet. Thank you, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Find out more about her at uh, drwendypatrickphd.com. And we will be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. There is a press conference going on so far. A lot of tap dancing. I'll give you highlights after the bottom of the hour. Lots of questions about the Kushner-Russia story, of course. But I think that's getting exposed uh, for what it is. And again, so much smoke, so much distraction, so much of the uh, the mainstream media just trying to slow down Trump as the Democrats would like them to slow him down. It, it really does seem to me to be obstructionist media. They're complicit. It's the never Trump media. But as, uh, as I was talking about it earlier with Dr. Wendy, this story that CNN has put out that basically says the president, oh, he's gaining weight. He's not doing well. He's withdrawing. It, it's a little irritating. And this was Gloria Borger uh, just, about, just about two hours ago before we came on the air. Uh, three hours ago, Gloria Borger, or Borg, yeah, Gloria Borger talking about Donald Trump and not naming a single name. This is all sources or voices or people that whisper to her in the hallway. I really think this is kind of shameful, but here's how they're positioning this report and how they're trying to paint the president into a corner where he is uh, depressed and he is uh, gaining weight. And oh, besides besides that, he's also uh, not a complex thinker. Check this out. Before he left for the trip, I was told uh, by a source close to him that he was in a pretty glum mood. That was before the trip. Uh, He came back and he felt that it was a successful trip. But he comes back to this Russia investigation going at mock speed now with his son-in-law, now part of a counterintelligence investigation. And I was told by more than one friend of his that he not only is glum, but he seems to be withdrawing and that that's not a really good place for Donald Trump to be, that he has less and less faith in people uh, who work for him and uh, his outside friends are more and more critical, I think, of the staff inside the White House, as could be expected. And one of them said to me, you know, these guys don't play chess, they play checkers. Well, first of all, Gloria, and we're going to get to the chess and checkers thing. First of all, if someone is a friend of Donald Trump, if someone is a close friend of Donald Trump, they are not talking to the media. If that is a friend, guess what? Their lips are sealed They are not out there smearing the guy by saying, oh, you know, he's really depressed now. He's come back. He's gaining weight. Yeah, it's probably the second scoop of ice cream. This is terrible. This is really wrong. And we'll get to the uh, we'll get to the the description of these people play checkers, not chess. 
and the answers to that. But I, I think this is shameful, this kind of reporting coming out of CNN. There's more. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We I was just in a little bit of a mini rant against Gloria Borger, Borger over at CNN about her depiction of Donald Trump based on pretty much rumor. Pretty much rumor saying that these close friends of the president are telling her these things. If you're close friends of the president, if you're personal friends of the president, you're not. You're not saying those things, not to a reporter, especially to a reporter on a channel with an agenda. So I don't believe it. And uh, when when she mentioned that the close friends were saying that the people next to the president are, uh, well, here's what here's what she said. These were the words they used of the staff inside the White House, as could be expected. And one of them said to me, you know, these guys don't play chess, they play checkers. So what did that mean? Well, the, I, I give, uh, I give the, uh, the other anchor on CNN the props for at least saying, what did you mean? Uh, well, I think it means that they're not, they're not thinking in 3D. They're not thinking uh-huh. about the moves after the next move as much as they should, as in the firing of Comey. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's probably true. You know, when you're a guy like Trump and, and a couple of the people uh, he has on that upper deck, I think they are chess players. And I think guys like uh, Mattis are chess players, not necessarily uh, checkers guys, but just a thought. But Gloria, Gloria Borger, that's just uh, just I, I think it's irresponsible. I think it's tabloid reporting to do the kinds of things that you've posted on CNN today, the kinds of things that say he's gaining weight, he's withdrawing, he's, he's pulling in uh, away from people. Stop it. Stop it. That's really cheesy. Really lame. Now, what about uh, from the press conference today? What did we hear about the, the president's relationship with uh, Angela Merkel? Uh, I I told you what I feel about Merkel and how the press has totally misinterpreted what Merkel said and what she was doing. It was a a campaign appearance at a beer garden. But here's that question. I think the relationship that the president has had with Merkel, he would describe as fairly unbelievable. Uh, They get along very well. He has a lot of respect for her. Uh, They continue to grow the bond that they had during their talks in the G7. Uh, Any views not just Germany, but the rest of Europe as an important American ally. Um, during his conversations at NATO and at the G7, the president reaffirmed the need to deepen and improve our transatlantic relationship. So pretty much a standard diplomatic answer, right? I think so. I don't, you know, I'm sure there's some tension there, 
I'm sure there's some discussion there about what our relationship is with Germany and what our relationship is with NATO and the EU. I don't know if it's fairly believable, but I certainly don't think it is as the press has described it. You know, they, they went a little apoplectic this morning saying, remember when Trump wouldn't even shake her hand in the Oval Office? Oh, that Keith Olbermann is losing his mind today. There was also some, uh, some discussion of moving the, the advancement of the health care update and the health care re- repeal and replace ahead. Well, there's a lot of savings that are coming out of uh, the repeal and replace effort right now. I think we're at $119 billion that we saved through the president's efforts. And I think the health care... Uh, has been something that the president's been very clear on throughout his time as a candidate, well through, presidents, uh, through his presidency, to make sure that the American people get the care and the accessibility that they need. He understands how important health care is, and the bottom line is he's going to do whatever it takes to make sure that people have quality, accessible health care. dollars did he mean to the high-risk pools? Did he mean to the cost-sharing reduction payments? Where did he want I, to I think th- this is a, the bill's in progress. Obviously, it's in the Senate right now, and he's willing to, to work with them to do what it takes. Olivia. The Senate's going to rewrite the whole bill, so we might as well just table any questions about that. The Senate is going to take what the House sent them and put it on a pile in the corner of the office, and then they're going to print out their own version and have their own bill. That's pretty much accepted, That especially after the CBO score was so brutal. They're actually, actually going to uh, rewrite everything, and and then the House and the Senate will get together and through reconciliation, they'll do something. But again, it's going to take a while. I don't know how quickly they can get that done. I don't know how many other other issues that they have to get through, like uh, whatever they're going to get done on uh, on taxes. Although they seem to say they have to take care of health care before they can get to tax reform. I just don't understand why you can't take care of health health reform and tax reform at the same time. We're, we're all able to walk and chew gum. Oh, wait a minute. We're not. We're legislators. Cut it out, people. Come on. All right, I'm shifting gears because I promised this story, and I don't want to run out of time today, but I thought this was one of the more fascinating stories. Uh, and and we, will, we will try and discuss this tomorrow with Dr. Jorge because Wellness Wednesday happens And uh, this week it happens pretty quickly, right around the corner. Elective surgery is something that always, always catches my attention. I look every year to see the list of elective surgical procedures and what people are choosing to do and whether or not uh, on on people it's, uh, for a while, the number one was uh, rhinoplasty and nose job. That was the biggest thing. People said, well, I hate my nose. I'm going to get it fixed. And they could actually find a way to get it covered. If the doctors would say they had a deviated septum, then their insurance would cover it. And in reality, it wasn't about a deviated septum. It was about that bump on the nose. And they all wanted the same nose that the perfect Beverly Hills nose, whatever it was. So it was nose jobs for a while, and then, uh, then facelifts became a thing, and then boob jobs became a thing, and then butt lifts became a thing, and then Botox was injected into foreheads all over the country, faces were frozen, actors could no longer act, and our pursuit of perfection kept going. 
But now the latest bit of elective surgery seems to be falling on the uh, on the men, and the the biggest spike in in elective surgery in the Hamptons, that Tony region on Eastern Long Island, where the cognoscenti and the super wealthy go to spend their summers. The latest trend is vasectomies. Apparently, the wealthy Hamptons bachelors are all going in for the snip to tie off anything that would possibly get them in trouble with whatever summertime affair they would have. And this is not just the super, super wealthy. These are some of the people that share houses in the Hamptons. I know there are those mansions that you'll see along the the oceanfront on the south shore of Manhattan, the Dune Road monstrosities. But there are also lots of young, very well-off brokers who share a house or split a house for the summer. You know, when you rent a, a four-bedroom house in the Hamptons, it can run you fifty to 100000 for the summer just to rent it. So they might share it with another broker at the office. But these people apparently are terrified, terrified of their weekend dalliances during the Hamptons summertime party season. So... It also removes the need for them to use any other birth control and not rely on their partner. But this this seems to be a big deal. They are worried that uh, they're saying child support payments are rising up to 17% of um, the father's salary, up to 400, the first $400,000 you're supposed to pay 17%, according to the judges in New York. After that, the judge can sting you as much as they want. So these guys apparently are all nervous about it. Can you imagine? We live in a time when the, the biggest spike in elective surgery for men in this, this ritzy area of the country is vasectomies. And uh, one of the doctors behind it is quoted saying, Rich guys are a population that gets abused a lot and trapped by pregnancies. It's bizarre and sad at the same time, isn't it? Bizarre and sad. Hampton's bachelors foil gold diggers with vasectomies. I thought I'd seen everything. Michael Pelka taking a break. We'll be back on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. We're wrapping up uh, this Tuesday that feels like a Monday, but tomorrow it's Wednesday. I know it's confusing, right? But you get a four-day work week if you did not work yesterday. So enjoy it. Revel in it. Be here tomorrow. Dr. Jorge stopping by for Wellness Wednesday, of course. Uh, and we, uh, we have to... Uh, be ready for him. He's got important stuff. I, I wanted to get to you guys today about the 
the really important realization I had over the weekend. I played a lot of golf. I played a ton of golf. I played golf back-to-back, and that's not something I do very often. I used to not be able to do it because my knees and my back and my hips would kill me. After all that swinging of a golf club and making those turns, I was in pain usually. Not so much because of why. Because I now take Relief Factor three times a day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I take all-natural Relief Factor. It's an anti-inflammatory. It is, as I said, all-natural. It's helped thousands of people. But you know what? I'm glad it's helped them. I'm more excited about it helped me. So why aren't you trying it? If you have chronic pain, if you have pain that's caused by inflammation, you should try Relief Factor. Get the three-week quick start plan. It's only $19.95. Seven to 10 days, most people see results. So call them. Relief Factor, 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384, or go to relieffactor.com. I, um, I'd be out playing golf again today, three days in a row, if it were not raining. So that's the only thing holding me back. Certainly not the pain, because guess what? The pain's not there. Relief Factor. Check it out. Uh, before we get out of here, I, I have to play for you one of my favorite things from the weekend. General Mattis, Secretary of Defense, asked, what keeps you awake at night? Nothing. I keep other people awake at night. <laughs> it's a mic drop moment, isn't it? I, I have played that a thousand times today already. What keeps you awake at night, General? Nothing. I keep other people awake at night. And he says it so calmly. It's almost Chuck Norris-like. It's almost Clint Eastwood-like. Go ahead, make my day. What keeps you awake at night? Nothing. I keep other people awake at night. That's the guy you want in charge of the Defense Department. Because that's, that's how you achieve peace through strength. And we, we talked about this during the Reagan era. Peace through strength. Peace through strength became a reality because we were so strong that nobody dared to do anything stupid. Nobody dared to come at us. Nobody dared to challenge us. And God forbid anybody did, we were strong enough to say, okay, you really want to do that? Well, here's how we're going to deal with you. And so I, I believe Mattis is that kind of guy. And he's not, he's not the mad dog. That's where the irony is. He's a guy who's just saying, okay, I'm going to keep you up at night. You're going to stay awake at night. Uh, there's a couple things bubbling on the blaze that I think you should check out. One of them, uh, one of them is this survey that shows the difference, the difference between the uh, popularity of presidents. And this was a, a recent survey that showed adults in America and who they consider to be the most popular presidents in the second half of the 20th century. What I like seeing here is that in 2012, Bill Clinton's popularity was at 46%. He was at the top. He was tied with Ronald Reagan at the top. Five years later, Bill Clinton's popularity he's down to 28%. Kennedy Kennedy's been the beneficiary of the biggest rise. John F. Kennedy is now seen as 53%, one of the best presidents in the second half of the 20th century. From 1950 to the year 2000, it's Kennedy, Reagan, 
and then a distant third place, Bill Clinton, followed by General Eisenhower, George Bush the first, Jimmy Carter, Lyndon Johnson. You know who's missing? No, it's it's perfect. I think that's perfect. So you see that, and then there's a, also a story that you have to see that's coming out. Have you seen the picture of Kathy Griffin holding uh, a beheaded Donald Trump, a bloody beheaded Donald Trump? This just shows you that the left is completely disconnected from reality and only dealing on emotion and anger. To me, the picture looks more like Kathy Griffin is holding uh, sort of a prosthetic a mask of uh, Alec Baldwin as Donald Trump and not really Trump. It, it, to me, it looks like the Baldwin depiction. But whatever, people, be unhappy. He's still the president and will be for quite some time. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network.